Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, do you have a sensitive child or perhaps Perhaps you're the sensitive one, having been told your whole life, you're too sensitive, shake it off, or you've got to toughen up. Well, no more. Did you know that nearly one in three people are highly sensitive individuals? And while sensitivity has its challenges at times, it also provides some beautiful gifts. How do we talk to and support our sensitive kids? And if we're the ones who are sensitive, how do we raise a child in a loud, often overstimulating world? For this, we turn to my next guest, Jen Graneman. Jen Graneman is the founder of the world's largest online community for introverts, Introvert Dear, an educator, journalist, and the author of The Secret Lives of Introverts. She has been featured in HuffPost, The Washington Post, the BBC, Oprah Daily, BuzzFeed, Glamour, and more, as well as numerous podcasts like this one. She has a new book out called Sensitive, The Hidden Power of the Highly Sensitive Person in a Loud, Fast, Too Much World. Welcome, Jen, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hi, Dr. Robin. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. This is a really interesting topic, and I think one that many people are going to tune into because sensitive children, we we know that there are many sensitive children out there. There's many people that are sensitive, but it's not something we often discuss. So before we get into the full conversation about your new book, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you, to read your book or your articles, or to be part of your community, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in writing a book about sensitive people? I think what gets me up in the morning is to be able to talk about these sort of things exactly. Because awesome. I grew, yes, I grew up as a sensitive person. Like you said in the intro, I heard all those things. You're mm. too sensitive. You're overreacting. You care too much, mm. right? I mean, how can you say that you care too much? <laughs> so yeah, I want a lot. Yeah, I, I wanted to write a book to reach out to other people who felt alone in their sensitivity like I did. Okay. And and I understand from what you have been writing about that being introverted and being sensitive, while you explain yourself as both, are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. So you can be an extroverted sensitive person and research shows that about 30% of sensitive people are extroverted, but, um, so that leaves 70% being introverted. So there's a lot of overlap between introversion and sensitivity, which is why I've chosen to write about both topics because a lot of people are both, but not necessarily. 
Um, yeah, so, so there, there are differences, there are similarities, but I think it's important to be aware of both of the concepts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in order to get a baseline, what do you mean by sensitive? And what would you say are then the top advantages or disadvantages of being a sensitive person? If you're a sensitive person, everything you experience affects you more but you do more with it. So Mm -hmm. you're more in tune with your environment. You're more in tune with people. Sensitive people are actually very specifically wired in their brains to be very in tune with other people, those social and emotional cues. So a sensitive person might be the one who notices that there's a hint of blue in the gray color on the wall. Or the sensitive person might be the one who hears that ticking of the clock that no one can hear and that ticking drives them crazy (laughs) like it would for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But sensitive people are also the ones who notice just a a quick flash of an expression on someone's face before it disappears. They might notice what someone else seems to be feeling or what they seem to be needing. So sensitive people are really perceptive to everything going on around them, which is an amazing superpower. But as you can guess, it creates challenges. Can can we say, or is this different, that sensitive people are intuitive people? Yes, absolutely. I like to say that sensitive people tend to be our best human body language, body posture decoders, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. because they can just they tell, they, they can, they just know, they look at you and they know, right. And it's, it's something like they, they, in their gut to. Right. Like, it's like, you feel different, right? Like you feel different to me. Yes. If something's going on. You feel different to me, right? You're yes. going by your gut and your intuition. Okay. Right. If you, you might be a sensitive person, if you've ever had the experience of maybe your spouse or your kid coming home after a tough day at work or school and they don't say anything to you, but you can just tell by looking at them that something yeah. happened. Yeah. Tough day, tough day. Okay. So given that these people who are sensitive are able to use their intuition to figure out how people are feeling, they are able to pick out details in what they see that others may skip over. What would you say are some of the disadvantages? of being so sensitive in that way? Well, like I said, when you're sensitive, everything affects you more, but you do more with it. So when everything affects you more, that means the stress, the anxiety, the hardship, the struggle of life, those things can affect you more. You can hurt more from them Mm -hmm. and your environment can affect you more. Sensitive people are the ones who are quickly drained in a loud, chaotic environment, like maybe a busy bar or restaurant or loud, crowded store, or even just, you know, an office building or a classroom that is particularly loud, bright, busy, active, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they react stronger to both the good and the bad. So you can imagine that reacting more strongly to the bad can make some things difficult in life especially mm. for kids who are who are first stepping into their sensitivity and learning about it. I would imagine that some people would be listening to this and thinking, okay, there's highly sensitive kids, but aren't we needing to acclimate them to this loud world rather than try to 
you know, do something to perhaps block it out or get rid of it. What's your, what's your idea uh, in response to that? I would say that you can embrace your sensitivity while also stepping out of your comfort zone. And that goes for sensitive, sensitive adults and sensitive kids too. Yes, they do need to learn how to be in an environment that might be taxing on their system, but they also need to learn that it's okay to say no to those things. They also need to learn that it's okay that they have the reactions that they have and the feelings that they have. And then they need to learn that it's okay to have that downtime that they need afterward to recover from that event. Maybe they go to the birthday party, but they leave after an hour, mm -hmm. or maybe they don't go because it's just not happening that day. Right. Or, or maybe they go with the understanding that this is going to be tough for me, but I'm going to try it. And then afterward, I'm going to do something to relax and recover. Mm -hmm. So you say in your book that someone who is sensitive uh, can have sensory intelligence, depth of processing, depth of emotion, creativity, and empathy, which was certainly, you know, being able to pick up on other people's feelings uh, is, is a wonderful skill. So what are some ways that we can encourage these types of positive gifts in our children if we do have a very sensitive child? I think the first step is to embrace that sensitivity. We need to teach our kids that it's okay to be sensitive and it, it's not just okay, it's a superpower. It's something that can give them a huge advantage in life if they embrace it. And then we need to, to teach them how to deal with those challenges or what we like to call the cost of sensitivity in our book. Mm -hmm. And that includes that overstimulation that they might feel in a loud environment or just that tiredness that they feel after a busy day. You know, there, there are a lot of kids that come home after school and they just want to sit and relax because just the day alone was draining for them if they were, if they're a sensitive person. That was certainly me when I was a kid, I had to go and close my bedroom door and just relax and recover for a bit. So let's say a child came home from school and seems down and says to their parent, when the parents like, what's going on? They say something like, my best friend was sad today. And, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling really sad. So a parent might take that and go, oh, well, that's nice that, you know, or uh, that, that you're such a good friend, or they might say something like, oh, well, you know, you can't take on everybody else's feelings. How could we respond in a way that might build on the empathy because it's such a beautiful gift without making it say to a child, you should be taking on everybody's feelings for hours on end until there's nothing left? Right. Yeah. And that empathy is a beautiful thing. And in our book, we talk about moving from empathy, which can be a painful emotion if you're mm -hmm. feeling it and doing it a lot. We talk about moving from empathy to compassion, mm -hmm. which is a more positive, proactive emotion that is still beautiful and helpful. It's actually more helpful to the people around you. Because when we're taking on everybody's burdens through empathy, well, we're feeling sad too. And we might not be in a place that we can actually help or make a difference for the other person. 
But compassion says, I'm here for you. Let's make it about you, not me. And you can do compassion without taking on that heavy burden of the emotion itself. So I would say, depending on what the age of the child is, I would talk about empathy and compassion and how it's beautiful to care about our friends, but we don't have to carry those heavy burdens. We can still help them and be there for them and be a good friend by being right. compassionate toward them without the, the heavy, painful burden of the sadness. So we might be able to encourage maybe an art project or something that they can do for that other child. Maybe it's, oh, would you like to make a card for her? Would you like to uh, call call him and talk to him? Um, would you like to bake some cookies and bring them over, right? We can kind of put that empathy into action so that yes. it's more like compassion rather than wallowing in the emotion. Yes, absolutely. You said it really well. Compassion involves action. So yes, any of those things you suggested would be great. Awesome. So obviously, as we, we pointed out, there are drawbacks to being a sensitive person. A sensitive person can get overstimulated. And since we know that saying something like shake it off and stop your crying is <clears throat> not the right that way to go. That always helps, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, what I, me, that's right? what I want to hear when I'm <laughs> upset and overstimulated. Right? I absolutely want to hear that. Um, yes. That's as good as like, calm down. That really helps too, by the way. I love that. That always calms me down. Yes. It's, I mean, it's just, I forgot is right, what happened. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. So if we see our highly sensitive child getting overstimulated and, and sorry, if we see that our child is getting overstimulated and maybe very emotional, you're seeing the tells, you know, how your mm -hmm. child works. You're starting right. to see what happens. What can we do or say in that moment uh, and, and if we know that our child might be in that situation in, in, if they're, we're going to a party or whatever, in what preparations might we make for that moment? So what do we do in the moment and what might we do before the moment, the prep work that we might do, you know, now, even if we don't have a party going on, or if we know that there's going to be having some, something going on, what, what's the answer to those types of questions? Those are two really great questions. I would say, don't tell them to calm down in that moment, but help them to calm down. Maybe you move to a quieter place. Maybe you turn off the music or the TV or whatever it is and address the emotions first before you try to have a teaching moment. Because when sensitive kids or really any kids are feeling big emotions, their brains are in that fight or flight state. And they're really just not even able to have some sort of teaching moment. Yes. I mean, I mean right? that's for any all? child, really. I mean, but that's really, for anyone, any literally anyone. Yes. <laughs> Nobody is like, let's now talk about some coping strategies while you're in the moment. Right. That's not going to do it. Right. Yes. So, so help them calm down, whether those emotions first, and then you can talk about those coping strategies. So uh, coping strategies, I would say to talk about before the party are just, first of all, talk about your child's sensitivity with them help them understand the way they were wired, help them understand it's okay if they feel tired or drained or overwhelmed at a loud birthday party. Maybe they feel a little anxious going in because they don't know what's going to happen. And that can be, that can be a big anxiety trigger for sensitive people, just not knowing what's going to happen because we like our routines and our predictability. 
So I would say that would be the first one, help them understand who they are. And then, you know, maybe you want to create a situation where it's easy for them to leave if they're just feeling like it's way too much. So maybe there's a signal to you, or maybe you can say, okay, let's go for an hour and then we'll leave. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe at that hour, you can decide to stay longer. Mm. And I think it's important. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if there's also a situation where, okay, you know, we're going to a party at so-and-so's house. If you start to get overstimulated, you know, if you're feeling like overwhelmed, you can always go into Charlotte's room. Yes. Um, And they, you know, they said that's completely fine to just get away from the noise for a while. If you want to play with the figurines or whatever that you like to in Charlotte's room, you know, something like that might be, if you already know the place and the other parent, it might be a way to, to ease that because they have their escape already planned. Absolutely. Yes. Make it easy for them to take breaks throughout the event so that maybe you don't get to the point where you have to leave going into the bathroom, going outside, taking a walk, going into, you know, someone else's bedroom or something. Mm help them to see when they are going to reach that point of overstimulation before they reach it and go tumbling over the edge of it. Right. Because I have a two-year-old son. He's sensitive. I believe he he has his meltdowns, right? Like all Mm two-year-olds do, but we're trying to, to, we're we're trying to notice them before they start. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think all parents do that, especially when our kids are young, but when Mm -hmm. they're older too, it's important to notice and help your child become aware of that when they're just standing on the edge of overstimulation so that they can stop and step back and take a break before it gets to be too much. So one of the things that I talk about in, in my book, how to talk to kids about anything, which isn't out until September, but um, it's on pre-order now. It's kind of exciting uh, is that we can help kids to actually notice how an emotion feels in their body. I'm I'm wondering if if this would be a time that we could also do that with with your child where it's when you are starting to feel overwhelmed or overstimulated or whatever the the terms are that you're using with your child where are you feeling it is your heart starting to beat you know heavy are your hands starting to sweat? Are you feeling something in your face? Are you feeling your, your mouth clench? What is happening right then? So that once they notice the signs within their own body, they may know, oh, this might be that time to take that walk. Would that help that type of situation? Yes, absolutely. It's very important to teach sensitive kids to notice their emotions, to name them, to think about how they feel physically in their body so that they can be aware of that overstimulation before it starts. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's interesting because when I was talking about it in my book, I was talking about, I think I was talking about anger, you know, before you got to that, you know, that level of, of you blowing your top but I can really see how this would be very helpful for the sensitive child before they reach that, that capacity of being completely overwhelmed or overstimulated. Because once kids go over that edge, it takes about 20 minutes for them to come back to a state where they can even receive information or make any changes. Um, That's just brain science. So we're trying to cut that off earlier 
before they get to the point where they're so overstimulated that they need 20 minutes to recover. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. I could not agree with that more. Okay. Awesome. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting is you talked about creating a sensitivity sanctuary. So what might that look like for a child? It would look different for every child, but perhaps it's their bedroom or Mm -hmm. if it's not their bedroom, maybe it's a certain corner of the house or a favorite chair, but basically it's just a safe place that makes your child feel good to be in. It's calming. Maybe it's uh, the lights are low, whatever. Think about what your child would feel good in, what kind of environment they would feel good in. Maybe it has their favorite stuffed animals. Maybe it has a speaker with music. My son loves his uh, little Bluetooth speaker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we go in his room and we play music together. And that's something that's calming for him. So whatever it is your child needs to feel good about, that's those are the kind of things you want to put in their sanctuary. So in the moment when... What is the moment for you and your child where you might say, do you think now would be a good time for us to go into our, into your room and listen to music? Like, what is the thing that, that triggers you to offer the sanctuary? I think when you start to see that your child is approaching overstimulation, and I think it looks different for kids of different ages, but you're the parent, you, you, you can probably tell if your mm-hmm. kid is starting to feel tired or worn down or, or fatigued looking. So it's that moment right before things become full-blown meltdown or tears um, mm-hmm. that you want to try to head it off and, and get them into that sanctuary place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, we know that from listening to, in the past, we had somebody on named Janine Halloran, who I love. She does a lot of coping mechanisms with kids for things like when you're stressed, what to do, and talks about a bunch of different ways that you might do this with a child. And it all it will be different for each child, whether it's their way of coping is physical, pounding on Play-Doh, you know, pounding on a drum, running, doing jumping jacks, that kind of thing. It might be very sensory oriented where you're swaddling yourself with a blanket um, and you're listening to music. That's the, you know, there might be specific calming techniques like breathing, you know, deep breaths, meditation, um, thinking about your favorite place. So I would imagine that it would be helpful for the parent and the child to kind of figure out what would work for that child. Like, what do you want here in this sanctuary? Like if you want your cuddly teddy bear or your, or your blanket, you know, what makes you feel safe and really good and calm? What makes you feel more calm and less overstimulated? So would you agree that, that, how we approach it may depend on what really works for our child. And that's what would go in that sanctuary. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think we often think of sensitive kids as wanting to be wrapped in a cozy blanket with some soft music playing, which, you know, that's great, right? That's what I want. Yeah, But right. that's not every kid. I mean, some kids right. are very physical and right. They might need to pound Play-Doh. They might yes. need to shoot hoops in, in the basketball yeah. and in the driveway. Whatever it is, it's um, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it is the thing that helps your child to calm down and feel better. Could you imagine putting that child in a blanket? 
Oh my gosh, it, right? it, it, would, it would be disastrous. <laughs> it would be like, be. get yeah. this thing off of me right now. Like yeah. it, it's just, but you wouldn't get that. You'd probably just get tears and, and screaming. Right. So right. yeah, yes. that's, that's some, there's gotta be a parent listening to us right now going, Oh, Oh yes. <laughs> and now just connected the dots because you're like, right. Like not every kid is going to want that same thing. And, and especially like if, even if it's you, Oh, that's what I would want. Like, Oh, how about like my daughter loves going into the bath, the shower. Like she oh, is interesting. Water is her jam. That is her thing that calms her down. Huh. It is immediate. Like as soon as she starts to feel frustrated or whatever, she gets in the shower. That girl sometimes <laughs> like three showers a day, but she's a teenager. So I can understand like that right, is right. what helps Well, that her. works for her. Yeah. It works yeah. for her. And so I, but, but that's not going to work for everybody. Like the right. kid who like right. hates getting in the shower in the bath, you're like, no, don't put me in there. So it really is. It's an important thing to to make sure that they're getting what they need. So, so actually not- I am that parent okay. listening who oh. um, has that problem <laughs> because my son does not like the blanket, nor does he like the bath or the shower. <laughs> that's so hilarious. yes, that's the, I completely get that. Yes. Yes. So we're not always going to be with our child, your child's too. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit of a different situation, yes. but of course your child's sometimes away from you. Yeah. We're not always going to be with our child. And certainly as they start to get older and they're with friends, um, if they're at school, they need to be able to set boundaries that allow them uh, to be who they are mm-hmm. and refrain from getting overwhelmed and overstimulated. Sensitive kids can have a real trouble, you know, real trouble with this because as you talk about like this empathy piece, I think they want to be helpful and they feel sad when you're sad. And they, and so, yes, I'll help you. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I will take on the extra job. So I, I, when I was reading your book, I was like, I, I started this area because this, this idea of boundaries, I feel like is something that we are not taught that all of us would gain from yes. learning more about. And especially those kids who are sensitive. I was so sensitive to my friends. I mean, I would just say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I still do it. I still still do do it. it. I'm happy to do it in some ways. Like I'm thrilled to be part of it and get to be that person. But yes, there are some times that I've said yes, and I probably should have said no, you know, where you're like, oh, that's, that's going to be a lot. I'm going to have to move things around. It's, or even like, I don't even really like that person that much, actually. Um, but I said yes, because, yep. you know, whatever reason, <laughs> yep, right? Yep, I'm so yep, glad I've you understand there. what I'm talking about. Okay, oh, so I'm there like all the time, like more than I should be. Even I after I read a book about it. you are probably going to be friends after this. So, Great. okay. <laughs> so what are some phrases that we can teach our child to say when they need to set a boundary? Something they need to practice, okay? Mm-hmm. So if they are starting to get overstimulated or if their friends are pressuring them to go somewhere that they know this is not going to be like a good deal for their sensory system, Mm -hmm. or if they are already overwhelmed and they need some help. So let's go through a couple of phrases that we're going to teach our overly sensitive children. I'm going to say that sounds judgmental, but our highly sensitive children so that when they're in a situation where they're starting to ramp up and they're starting to feel like they're getting overstimulated, what, what can they say in that moment? Yeah. I I think it's, if it's a case of feeling overstimulated, you can say something as simple as I need to take a break Mm -hmm. and 
you know, tailor it to your situation, you might say, I need to go to the bathroom or okay. I'm going to go take a walk or okay. whatever it is, but say something that, that communicates to the people around you that you just need a break. Right. You might... and... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and what happens if like, they're like, oh, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> ooh. Ooh, I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think you just you just state what your need is. Mm. No, I just need to go alone. I just need mm-hmm. to go take the break alone. Right, and they go. Or you know, are you okay? Go. Are you okay? Are you sure? Are you mad at me? I'm okay. I'm I'm, I'm not mad. I just need a break. I'll be back in ten minutes or what? You know, however long he might be back in. Okay. You know, I'm just pushing you because I, I'm just looking at the situation and knowing like this yes. is the kind of thing that our kids would yes. be. I mean, how many times do they go alone someplace? Not often, you know, right, it's, I'll, right. I'll go to the bathroom with you. Oh, I'll go on a walk with you. Like, you right. know, uh, yeah. Okay. What you know, about- maybe they don't have to go alone. Maybe they can go with, with that one friend that makes them yes. feel safe and good and comfortable. It, it one friend, but not that other one. Not right? that other one. <laughs> yes. That's who we're trying to get away from right now. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, and we'll all go. No, no. Right. <laughs> uh, and if your if your friends may be pressuring you to go somewhere or do something that you know, like this child knows this is not going to be awesome. Like I, Oh, you need to come over to our house, you know, my house after we have to, but there's like a baby sister that's crying a lot. And they're like the older brother plays the drums and you know, there's always loud music on and the grandpa always has the news on. So what's, what's the phrasing that we can give to our child in that situation? You know, again, I think it depends on the situation, but it's very simple to say, I can't do that. Or that just doesn't work for me or mm. that's not okay with me. Um, mm. You can also just say no and leave it at that, right? That one might feel yeah. a little uncomfortable to just leave right. that one hanging. For that um, highly sensitive child, right? like everybody's <laughs> going to be mad at me. I, I often tell my kids to just blame me. Oh, Like yes. if you're in a yes. situation where mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable or you're trying to get out of something, just blame me. Yeah. My mom that's a good one that too. she has this, or I, you know, my mom said, no, I have to come home after school. She has something for me to do, you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, blame me. It's fine. I don't care if your friends are mad at me. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whatever you need to do. Right. Right. Okay. But it's good to practice these in advance so that they, so that they have them in their back pocket ready instead of being in a situation where they feel like, oh, now I have to say yes. Right. And then they can work out with you. Like, oh, with my friends, what if my friends say, are you mad at me then? you know, that you can work through that. Yeah. And I think it's important to, especially if they're close friends of yours. Um, I'm speaking to like you, like you're the teenager, but you're not, but no, that's okay. Do (laughs) that. I would say, great. (laughs) If they're close friends, then I would say, take it to the next step and explain that you're a sensitive person Mm -hmm. because those friends who are really going to care about you and those friends who are really the ones who you want in your life anyway, are going to understand if you explain Mm -hmm. it to them. We have a few talking points in our book about how to explain sensitivity. And I think they would apply to teens as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it, try to be as honest with, as, as them, should be as honest with them as you can. And, you know, maybe you want to explain, it's just too loud there for me, or, you know, I'm feeling really tired or drained. I just can't do that right now. I don't have the energy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, those friends who get it are, are the ones you want in your life anyway. 
Right. And and it's okay to be able to say, hey, I really would like to hang out with you. Yeah. Uh, but in that situation, I can't, I don't want to keep you from doing it. Like you should right. totally go if you want. But for me, that's not, that's not going to work for me today. I'm, I'm already so drained. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If this is an important relationship, definitely make sure they know that you care about them. You want to hang out with them and you still want to see them maybe under a different circumstance, mm -hmm. uh, but this one just doesn't work for you. So if you have a child who realizes I'm a little bit different than my friends, I, I, you know, I, we're, we're going to these events or these parties or whatever, and everybody's like dancing and yelling and, you know, running around. And I'm not like, I'm kind of seeking refuge all the time. So how do we talk to our own kid about how to, about their sensitivity in general? Like how, if they're like, why, what, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I this way? And my friends are not. Right. Yeah. Well, I, the first thing is to talk about sensitivity in a positive way. Right. I think a lot of sensitive people do feel like something is wrong with them. I certainly did growing up. I just mm. felt very different from the people around me. I didn't understand why I had these reactions to things that mm. other people didn't have. So yeah, it, it's very important to frame it as a positive thing, to talk about it as a strength, an advantage, a superpower, so that kids stop feeling shame about it. Mm. And I think once you stop feeling that shame, it's a lot easier then to understand, well, my brain, it, it processes things very deeply. Mm -hmm. It takes in a lot of information in the environment. It takes in a lot of information from other people. So it's easy for my brain to get overloaded in busy places, like a party with loud music and dancing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's perfectly mm -hmm. okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's awesome. It's a strength. Right. It's the thing that makes me a good friend. And it's the yeah. thing that makes me, you know, sensitive to other really positive ways in different situations. It's the reason why people come to come to you to talk to you about their problems. And exactly. Yeah. If you're a sensitive person, your friends are probably friends with you because of your sensitivity mm -hmm. in part, because it makes you a great friend. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I bet you somebody is wondering about how to get your child to expand that, that comfort zone a little bit, try new things when they're realizing that in, in their home, they feel very comfortable and they have their sanctuary and they have people who understand them. How do we get them to try new things when they have this sensitivity and they're a little fearful about what's out there? Yes. We, we want to honor our kids' sensitivity. We want to give them plenty of opportunities for downtime so they can process their feelings and their experiences. But we do also want to push their comfort zone because mm -hmm. sensitive kids can be anxious or nervous to try new things because those new things can be overstimulating. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're nervous to go to a party or try a sport or, right. um, you know, whatever it is. So it's important that we give them those tools to be able to step out of their comfort zone. And I think one of the biggest ones is to just go slow and make sure that um, they kind of know what to expect. I think right. when sensitive kids know what to expect in advance, it, it helps them. Obviously you can't expect, or you can't anticipate everything that's going to happen, but just having a general sense of the expectations can really go a long way. Right, right. And trying to make the the unknown a bit more known. You know, we're yes. going to go here. You remember we drove past it. It's next to this. Mm -hmm. This is who's going to be there. Right. Okay. 
What is your top tip if you could leave us with one top takeaway about raising sensitive kids? What would it be? Start seeing sensitivity as a strength, not a weakness. And I think when you do that, when you see your child's sensitivity as something wonderful and beautiful and awesome about them, then I think the rest will follow. That's awesome. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, uh, your book and the work you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, there are two websites. One is introvertdeer.com, which is the site I founded. It, it covers both introverts and highly sensitive people, uh, dear D E A R like writing a letter, dear. <laughs> not then, like the animal. Sure. Right. Okay. Right. Not like I didn't animal. even think know, about right? that, but okay. <laughs> you would be surprised how many people think like, <laughs> like an introverted deer animal. What? <laughs> okay. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that when I named it. Uh, <laughs> Very funny. Uh, right. And the other is sensitive refuge, um, sensitive refuge.com, which is specifically all about highly sensitive people. And I will be putting uh, all of Jen's links in the show notes. So any of you who are running around right now uh, in the car uh, at some kind of event or sporting thing, don't worry, I got you. And Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I just really appreciate you bringing this uh, information to light. I think it's really important and something that we do need to explore more because sensitivity is often thought of as a weakness, but it can be a great strength. And we also do need to know how to help our kids to both see it as a strength and deal with the challenges as they come. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Dr. Robin. This was great. Awesome. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. You can go up to Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com. I'm under Dr. Robin. Also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'm going to be going back and forth with Jen Graneman um, and introvert deer and all her good stuff um, on these social media sites. We're going to be going back and forth. I'm going to be creating memes based on some of the things that she said today. Today, uh, so that you can share them with your friends. And uh, that's the very subtle hint you'd like to give them like, hey, sensitivity, it's a superpower. And we need to help our kids through it and stop telling them to, you know, calm down. So we're going to do all of those things. And we can get into the discussion with one another and you can get into it too. And if you love this podcast, like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I can't tell you how much those five star reviews mean to me. And it also helps to put the podcast really on the map. It helps to highlight a lot of the great work that Jen Graneman is doing with Introvert Deer. And it helps to just put high beams on sensitive kids. We want all of those things to happen. So if you could take a moment and rate and review it, I'd really appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. I'm really excited about my book coming out, How to Talk to Kids About Anything in September. Thank you so much to those who've already pre-ordered it. It's on Amazon and anywhere that books are sold. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this, you're here, you're getting the information you need. Maybe you heard something today about sensitive kids and you just go, oh goodness, I totally messed that up. I, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. They told me I shouldn't be doing that. And that's not exactly what I did. 
we're not going to bash you. We all make a ton of mistakes. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting often provides a do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.